Hi, it's Nick Sadler of The Label Machine here, and on today's podcast, we have Dorian Perry on the co-founder of Groover, which empowers independent artists to get their music heard and accelerate their careers. We talked about how artists can reach Spotify playlist curators and get them to listen to their music, how over a thousand artists have been signed to record deals on the platform, and what strategies labels can use to get their music out to new territories and markets. Dorian had some great insights. I really love this episode and I hope you do too. You're listening to the Label Machine series, a podcast to inspire and help indie record labels and artists to build income streams for their music. I'm Nick Sadler, a music entrepreneur that has helped start and run multiple indie record labels. In this series, I'll be speaking with music industry leaders about their experience and the lessons they learned on how they both market and grow their music income. Welcome to the Label Machine series, where we discuss with our guests how artists and record labels promote and monetize music. Today's guest is Dorian Perion. Dorian is a co-founder of Groover, which empowers independent artists to get their music heard and accelerate their careers. With a multi-degree education from universities across Australia, California, and France, and a background in blogging with his blog, Indie Flagration, Dorian, with his two other founders, has helped raise $7.5 million funding in the last three years for the business, which has firmly positioned that company as a market leader in music promotion. Groover is just getting going with a growing team and offices to open throughout the world, so I'm very pleased to have him here today and share his time with us. Dorian, how are you today? Hello, Nick. I'm doing really well. Awesome. So, uh, first question I always ask everybody, how did you get started in the music industry to get to where you are now? I started really by chance. So I did studies, uh, uh, like business school. Uh, I wasn't studying about music in particular, in, in a particular way, uh, but I started my music blog, I think it was in 2013, just before, uh, getting to college. Um, and what I wanted to do was just sharing. Uh, tracks that I loved uh, with my friends uh, and also involving some friends in it. I thought I was the very first person to launch a music blog. And then I realized that there were hundreds of them. <laughs> but it was the first time that I was launching a, a project and um, and keeping the rhythm because the idea was to publish like one track per day with like a few comments and paragraphs. And and I really enjoyed it. And, um, and I realized that very soon I was getting some emails and requests from artists who were, uh, who wanted to be featured uh, on the blog. And first, first email I received, I was like, wow, it's, it's incredible. I received like an, an, an email from an artist who wants to be like featured on, on my stupid blog. I just started. <laughs> so it, it was really thrilling. Uh, then I realized there was, uh, I was receiving a lot more and a lot more and then a lot more. And I started receiving like a hundred emails per day, uh, from artists who were, uh, sending their music and, and wanting to be featured and still like a small blog. I think it had like 1,000 or 2,000 Facebook likes only. Like it was really a small thing, you know, like very underground. Um, and, but I really enjoyed it. I started shooting some live sessions at my place. I also organized some shows. I didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> I didn't know who to get in touch with or what to do, but I started to get to understand who was doing what in, in, um, in the industry, um, because from the outside, it can look like very complicated, but once you start talking to people, you kind of understand that it's not that complicated. It's as if it was, um, voluntarily made 
as if it was complicated and look as if it was complicated, but it's not that complicated to understand the roles of the, the different players of the music industry. But then it was just a hobby. Um, and in 2017, I, uh, I went to UC Berkeley in California, uh, where I met with my co-founders for an entrepreneurship program, and we wanted to help artists. We knew it, like we knew they had issues. I had my experience on my side with my blog, receiving so many requests and having totally dumped my email inbox because I didn't have like time to check those emails and being super frustrated about it. Um, so we started talking with a lot of people, uh, like for a month or so, we did only that, like calling people in France um, and uh, around the US, meeting with artists and, and all, the, all, the, all the music industry professionals and just asking very open and, and broad questions about where they were at, what were the issues they were facing. Um, and we had a bit of a different uh, idea first, but after those interviews, it was very clear uh, that their like, main uh, struggle uh, was uh, how once they have produced their track and once they have released it, how can they actually uh, get more people than their mother and their dog to listen to, to their track? And it was like a monologue, like 20 minute or 30 minute monologue of um, how do I get my music heard? So we, we really wanted to go into that. Um, and so we started uh, really scrappily uh, building a Google forum in a WordPress with a PayPal button and seeing if people were paying. And on the other side, we were sending very, uh, like uh, we were sending all the Google forms to the music curators and professionals, a few ones I knew that I had selected like for the first, this, this first batch um, to send them the tracks and they, they would review them. Uh, for a small fee um, and started to, to, to work. And actually the, the business model has been the same since the beginning. Uh, and, um, and, uh, and yeah, so it started like that. It, it's how I got into, into music. And I, I'm of course like a big music digger. I, I play a bit of music. I go to a lot of shows and I was reviewing a lot of music for my blog at the time. So um, it, it was uh, kind of the, the possibility to work in the music industry and get a job into it. Uh, which is not actually a job. It's like a passion all day long, even if it's a lot of work still. Mm -hmm. No, nice. Oh, and you're saying you play a little bit of music. Is that as a musician or like a DJ? Uh, more as a musician, but I, I don't release music. I would like to someday, but uh, now like with Guru, it's, it, it's taking too much time. I have like an underground SoundCloud somewhere, but, but like nobody knows it, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, I... I uh you know, running a company myself as well. I know how hard it is to find time. Uh, wait till you wait till you have a child as well. Cause <laughs> they're really, I didn't really see any music. I was doing, I got down to doing one track a year and last year, now I've had a child, I didn't really see any. And I'm going to try again this year, but yeah, that's even harder. Um, cool. So, guess. so, so can you give us a quick rundown of what your main activities are at Groover today? Yeah. You so, uh, yeah. So I, I'm one of the co-founders, as I was mentioning, uh, with three co-founders and I handle all the business and music related activities. So it, it involves everything from, um, trying to get more artists to use Groover, trying to get more curators and professionals to use Groover, make the connection, uh, between them, um, and try to, uh, really provide the value and the service to them. So also handling like, um, you know, customer support, getting feedback and trying to improve the platform um, day after day. 
Um, in the team, we also have a tech team, a data team, a product team working on the platform. And I also have my co-founder, Roma, who's working uh, more on everything related to uh, funding, HR, but also global strategy and coordination. Uh, I'm more operational uh, into like um, developing the business activities and music. Um, and what we do at Guru, if it was also part of your question, is helping no, artists it does. get in the, touch. The next the next bit is how does the platform work? And explain it as if somebody had never heard of Groover or how to do music promotion at all. Hundred <laughs> percent. Usually, I, I, I'm good at it because we we were really uh, talking about it to like artists or, or even other people, and so there's not like too much complicated language or anything. It's it's quite simple to understand. Um, basically, what we do is we help artists uh, who release music. Uh, or who have music they want to be reviewed to get in touch with some music curators. So it can be uh, blogs, media outlets, magazines, radios, but it can also be some music industry professionals like uh, record labels, uh, managers. Um, and it can also be, it's the third category. It can be some sound engineers or coaches. So usually artists, they come to Groover and they have um, something they're looking for, which can be a, a bit different. Sometimes they really want some visibility for their music. Sometimes they want to find someone to join their team um, and have them uh, with their project and sometimes they just want feedback on their on the demo or on their music from from someone who will give tell them what they think uh, and sometimes they want all of this sometimes they want only do two or two of those things but when you when they go to Groover they they the first thing is like saying what they want from from those three options um, Uploading their track, it's usually through a YouTube or SoundCloud link, very easy. Uh, a small pitch on their track, like a small presentation of what, what they're, they're releasing and focusing on one track. And then they select who they want to get in touch with uh, through the whole list. Today, there are uh, 2,000 music creators and professionals who are currently active. It's not like a database of a lot of contacts and you never know if they're going to answer. It's really 2,000 people who are currently active. So there's a high chance they will listen to the track and, and review it, um, at least a, a reply. So the, so the artist to go back, choose who they want to get in touch with, and they pay small amounts of money, two euros by contact selected. Um, for some of them, it costs a bit more uh, because we created this like top curators uh, category to be able to attract bigger, uh, bigger curators and creators who, uh, and professionals who can have more impact for the artists. But it's usually like two euros by contact. Uh, on average, artists select around 30, um, so it, it would cost them their campaign around 60 euros, but some pay much more. We have people doing select all and send, and they pay like 2,000, <laughs> and, uh, and some pay only like 10 euros, you know, selecting just five or, or 10 creators. So it's really like uh, a different, uh, depending on the budget uh, from the, on the artist side and how they want you to try it out and their, their targets. And so what we do and what we provide is we guarantee that those creators and professionals are going to listen to the track and actually write feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So we kind of guarantee that the, the artists are going to break this wall of first listening, which is the biggest issue today for artists, which is uh, they're releasing music and they're sending emails and nobody's answering because there's so much music released every day. It's 100,000 tracks on Spotify every day. Um, and so we try to guarantee that, like breaking this wall of the first listening. And then it's, everything is uh, about the track itself and how well the targeting has been. Like, have you targeted the right person for your music? Someone's just going to like it. And what happens then is that the, the curator 
um, or the professionals who, who receives a track in a in a dashboard, they listen to the track as if it was a playlist. Um, they review it. They, they review it. They write feedback, and they can decide whether they want to share it or not. Whether to, whether they want to go further or not. Um, and usually, they accept the track in twenty five percent of cases. So on average, today on the platform, which is really good uh, for some artists, it's like eighty or ninety percent because their track is so good and the targeting is, is good. For some artists, it's much less. It depends really. Um, but we guarantee that, and uh, and the the creator gets paid part of the amount. So one euro out of the two euros for giving feedback, whether it's positive or negative. So they can refuse everything they want. They remain totally independent on an editorial point of view. Uh, but they have a service where they receive tracks that are more targeted because since the artists are paying by contact, they're more careful about who they're getting in touch with. So the creators are getting tracks that are more in line with what they want to, to receive, more unfiltered. And at the same time, uh, the experience is really nice to listen to music, so it's easy. So they tend also to accept more tracks and, and, and really get engaged with it and share it. So it's really a very positive circle of trying to remake these connections uh, between artists and music professionals and creators who can really help them grow. Um, and so that's it. Uh, if you want to really simplify, you can say it's like a matching platform between artists and music professionals and creators. A bit like it could be a, a matching platform for like romantic relationships. It's kind of the same, like a you know a, a strength uh, a relation. <laughs> you know, artists really demanding, and, uh, and creators and professionals were more like receiving and, and in, in a more like uh, situation of power. You know, uh, but actually, it, it's really it really re makes this connection. And just to to end this, uh, I would say that uh, what's really cool is in five years. Uh, we have more than 150,000 artists uh, signed up on Groover. Uh, we have more than 2,000 creators who are active, uh, actively reviewing tracks. And when they're not active like a week, they, they go on standby. So it's really like active there. Uh, we have a 90% answer rate. Um, so meaning that when they don't answer after seven days, you get credits back. So we really guarantee you that they're going to answer. Um, and then uh, we got we overpassed 2 million pieces of feedback given uh, from creators to, to artists so, and, and a lot of shares, like 25% of them. So 400,000 shares can be placed ads, radio broadcasts, uh, uh, article, articles, or it can be also meetings uh, to labels and artists. So, yeah. And across how That's many it. countries? It's crazy. I think it's 150 con different countries. It's, in, it's like almost 186 according to your website. And, oh, 186. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Like it's grown even like because it's what, what's cool in that model and that platform is that it's it's totally scalable. It's um, everybody can use it everywhere in the world and find some creators for them. And since the very beginning, we were focusing a lot on France as a whole market. We've had some American users. Uh, using it to target France and Europe since the beginning, so it's it's all always been international. And and are you doing um, like are you looking to expand into like the Latin American market? Have you like are you doing language updates and making it, um, uh, yeah, like uh, what's the word, um, native we'll the format there? Yeah. Um. So we have the website in French and English for now. Uh, we have a big community of uh, Portuguese, uh, sorry, Brazilian users, uh, and also Latin American ones, uh, especially on the creator side. Uh, there's a big community in Italy as well, and all those uh, countries and territories, they, they would love to have the website in Ita Italian, Spanish, 
Um, and um, it's really something we're working on. Uh, we want to have it at some point. Uh, it's going to go progress. It, it's very technically, it's, it's kind of complicated to like maintain a lot of different languages when you do updates and stuff. But we, we have our blog uh, where we, we publish a lot of uh, articles giving advice to musicians. And this blog is in already five languages and we're going to add German. Um, and we have also have social media accounts in, in a lot of different languages, uh, including uh, one for Brazil, one for Latin America and Spain, um, one for Italy, one in English, one in French. Um, so we, we're really developing that kind of uh, local and native thing. Also on the creator side, we, we have ambassadors locally who recruit some creators, professionals um, in each territory. Uh, and, and it's the way we, we try to grow, like building communities of both artists and creators locally. Um, and yeah, we hope to have the, the website entirely translated at some point. But there's also like a very cool thing on Google Chrome. I don't know if you know, but you can click right and then translate the page. Yeah, and I did. I went, I went, was reading a French blog about you. I, I, well, you did a French, it was in French and it just did the automatic translation to English and it was great. So yeah, it, it was, it works great. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and just, um, just quickly going back to re reaching out to the different publishers and curators, does that include Spotify playlist curators private? Totally. Um, in the beginning, it wasn't when it, when we started in uh, in 2018, but it it was the moment where it was becoming a big topic, mm -hmm. um, and it went on and on, like growing, growing as as a, a very important way for artists to grow their audience um, and and really reach a real audience. Um, and so we have a lot of playlist creators now. Um, it's been a, a complicated topic because it's really hard to assess whether a playlist creator is. Um, impacting, engaging with real uh, people, listening to the music and everything. But we have internal tools now, and we also use a variety of external tools to assess that. Um, and we also get feedback from the artists. So we're really now coming to a point where we monitor very closely the quality of the, the community of playlist creators, and it's grow, growing a lot. Mm -hmm. We're onboarding some really cool, really impactful big place creators who can have like a huge impact on your releases. Uh, and it's something we've been growing a lot. I think it represents probably 25 to 30%, maybe even more of the community of creators and professionals on Groovin now. Uh, I did, did want to ask that because I know it's so important. It's one of the big things that comes up at the label machine. Yeah. I want to get on more playlists. Um, and, and, you know, I've seen it with the artists I work with. You get on a, a great playlist and suddenly the track, you know, half a million views in a couple of months. And you know it 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 um it, it goes beyond like any of the other tracks that they've kind of done. So that's really great, and that's like you know nearly a quarter of your um of your creators are in that place. Uh, that's awesome to hear. So um I, and and just yeah on that on the on the publications because you're mentioning some other people you're working with. Can you mention who some of the biggest biggest publications are that you have um, that respond? Like what's some name dropping you can do? <laughs> yeah yeah of course. Um, so for example, if I, if I had to give a few names, uh, we have verb.fm, which is a big one, uh, usually like for bedroom or lofty, lofty, lofty indie music. Uh, we have a really cool New York City based, uh, Brooklyn based, uh, record label called Bad Ebbing Records. I don't know if you know about them. They're the label of like Sharon Van Etten and, uh, they're the first label from, uh, uh, from Beirut and, uh, and the, the guy Ben, I met with him in New York and, uh. 
And first he was like a bit skeptical and I, I got him on board and he got like in love with the platform in a way I, I couldn't imagine. He's making a lot of very good uh, discoveries and giving so uh, much valuable feedback. Um, since we started in France and we very mat mature in France, we have especially big outlets in France, in France, um, especially like Tsugi Radio, which is a, one of the biggest one for electronic music here. Mm -hmm. um, also French rap, we have a lot of them. We have Dummy Magazine in the UK. Um, we have, uh, I'm not really good at the name dropping because it changes all the time. But if you go on the, like the landing page on Google.co, like the, the welcome page, uh, we usually showcase some of the biggest ones by category, by style. So you can have a look. Uh, we also have like for world music, Putumayo is, is one of the biggest ones. Uh, they have so much impact when they add a track. Uh, we also have like, if you're looking into like the Spotify playlist creators, the biggest ones we have, it's, it's actually uh, fun. It's, um, it's mostly, uh, not mostly, but some of them that we have in really cool community here is sex playlist. Because actually there's, there are no official editorial Spotify playlist about sex, like, or when you're looking for, I don't know, plays for that mood. So there are a lot of very big independent ones. Uh, because when people are looking there and ending up on just finding planes that are independent, so some of them are super impactful and, uh, and we have a really good relationship with variety of all of them. Um, and it's actually a way to really grow, uh, with real listeners, your, your tracks, especially if you're in moods that are a bit like, I don't know, groovy or, or, you know, like sensual or, or slow or like kind of this mood. Um, it's a really way to grow, a good way to grow, to get in touch with those sex playlists and grow. Uh, it's just some examples because it's super varied in terms of styles and the people you can get in touch with. Oh, nice. Um, and so I'm a artist. I've submitted, um, across, you know, I've spent 60 euro and I've submitted across, uh, 30 different, um, curators. What is some of the feedback that an artist, as an artist, I'm going to expect, you know, is it long, short, what kind of stuff? Um, yeah, it's a super important question. We have a, a charter and a guide that we send to to creators and pros with uh, with what artists expect. Usually, what what artists tell us that they expect and what they are going to get on Groover is is if their track is not accepted, is understanding why in a concrete way. Um, most of the time, it has to do with music taste, so it can be kind of frustrating. But at the same time, at least you have an answer and you know that like that creator is not going to like that particular track. Um, what you can get also in, in the feedback is what happens a lot is creators say when they liked and when they didn't like um, in, a, in a benevolent way. But it, it can be interesting because sometimes some artists get really the same feedback from everyone. So it can really be a way um, maybe to improve or to look for something else or also to say maybe I targeted the wrong persons. Um, some creators are really good at um, telling artists you shouldn't have contacted me, but you should contact this kind of person, you know, like redirecting artists to the right contacts. So it's really cool. And if you get in touch with some mentors or sound engineers, it's going to be more technical, uh, yep. especially if you, if you have a demo or something. Um, and then um, the labels, the publishers, the managers, they're usually going to give more advice about the project itself. Uh, like maybe if, you, if they receive the track and they're like, okay, it's a good track but I want to know more about the image or the universe. So like, what are you saying exactly? Uh, what's your uh, peculiarity, you know, this kind of, this kind of thing. So it, it's a good way to actually get some unbiased uh, feedback about your music, which is interesting because it can usually echoes with the feedback you're getting on the side. Um, and, and, and it really depends, but I can see 
how the artists who really get into it and, and are really like, they're not taking uh, very personally the feedback that, that's negative because in some way, it's just about music tech. Like music is so subjective. Yeah. Like, you know, this is so subjective that you shouldn't expect something very objective from the feedback. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes that people are like, I expect something very objective and technical and exactly what I, I want to have someone saying exactly that. And I'm like, why do you pay for that? <laughs> you already know what you want to get. Um, and also, it's always going to be subjective. And you can have someone saying something and somebody else saying the exact opposite. And it's because of their taste. So it, it's more what I tell artists is like, if you really want to get feedback and everything, get into it, see what are the big trends and maybe try to dig into that. But also, if you don't really want to receive feedback, which is something that some artists tell us, it's like they, they're using it for promotion, but they don't want feedback. And they're telling us, like, why do I need to receive feedback? And we explain it to them. It's like, we use it as a tool that is a proof of listening. Because the whole goal is about having creators and professionals listen to you. Track. When they answer, even if the feedback is not what you expected, at least they have listened. They wouldn't have listened otherwise. And if we didn't ask for feedback, they would, just, they would not be as engaged with your music and actually considering if they want to share it or do something with it. And we did some tests. Um, of like not requiring feedback from the, the creators and just listening, uh, they were refusing four times more tracks mm. uh, than when they had to write feedback. So it's really like a way to engage them with your music. Um, and yeah, yeah, so feedback is, you can get a lot of things out of it, but you can also like disregard it if you want. But you have to like keep in mind that the, the feedback that you're getting on group is, first of all, the, the proof of listening. And then you can get, if you get some trends or some things that come really often, it can really be a way for you to, to think about how you, can, you want to improve. Would you want to do that or not? <laughs> or yeah. do you want to target elsewhere? I mean, surely that's just the artist ego getting in the way, really. I don't want feedback. Like, who doesn't want feedback? You can just read it and yeah. disregard it. Um, that's interesting. So just you, you mentioned as well before about some of the labels. One of the, there was a big one in New York with Beirut. Um, and how, so are they using, how are they using it as a curator? Are they using it to discover uh, like artists? Are they using it almost like a demo type platform, like to receive demos? Uh, yeah, so it depends because, uh, today a lot of record labels, they don't work on the production side. They will work, uh, on, you know, like sensing tracks that are finished or even doing distribution and promotion. So they also like to receive, I don't know, like a track that can be finished. Because they're like, okay, this are, I, to discover the audience and then require from us, like, do you have some demos or do you have something else? It can be, it depends on really on record labels and they say it on their profile on Guru, with, whether they want to receive unfinished or, or finished tracks. Um, and uh, about, uh, yeah, record labels, it, it's really cool because we can see that they're kind of like the, in the middle of everything. Because usually they're using the platform on both sides. They're using it to get demos, to get submissions maybe find artists they want to sign. And we know that there has been at least 1,000 signatures on record labels and, and, and publishers and managers since the beginning of Google, which is crazy. But what's interesting as well is they also using Google to promote their own roster to like place creators, media outlets. Uh, and so that what they do is they use the credits they earn to, you know, to promote their own roster. Yeah. Oh, that's so it's kind of like a... And it's super cool because like it, it engages a lot of record labels on the platform. And we actually have very nice community of record labels on Guru. We're super proud of it. And we can see some artists really getting some interesting feedback and results from it. 
Um, and, and we have some very cool record labels in there. I, I told them that thing, but in France, we have like Chinese man records or it, it, it won't ring a bell, I guess, but mm. they are really engaged and they're really looking to sign some artists that they are discovering and they give really good feedback and, um, and super cool because it was something they, they weren't doing before and now they enjoy doing mm. really. And artists are getting a lot of value from it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's I know label base that just does electronic music. That's all they use their platform for, is yeah. just for for doing. And they, you know, they just got bought by Beatport, so you know, it, it's definitely a um, a thing out there. And that's great to know as well for, for anyone that's listening as well. Like, hey, I'm I'm hoping to get a record deal. Go and use Groover um, as a first port of call, I guess, to to see you know wh what whether or not you can get signed to be one of those thousand people or more than a thousand people. Um, and, and actually about, about that, just a, just a, a small yeah, word, uh, because we, uh, we realized that a lot of artists, when they were getting like some proposals from, uh, contracts from record labels, they were like totally lost about like, uh, understanding it or what am I, what am I seeding? Am I, am I siding with the devil and stuff like that? So we, we proposing a new service. We, we're not like, um, uh, we're not lawyers, but we have a lot of experience now of like contracts and reading them and understanding what are the, the interesting things to look at. So we're trying a, a new service. It's, it's really underground, but to, to proofread some contracts and give some feedback to artists uh, on top of what we're doing on Groover. So we've been trying this variety of like small services around it that are really related to what's happening on Groover, like getting a, a you know, label proposal or a contract or, 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 you know, they need to write like a track pitch or a bio or something like this. So we're trying this. It's very manual, but we we enjoying like trying some new things to try to bring more value to artists. Interesting. I mean, do you know what? It's weird, but it sounds like I could sign up to the label machine as a curator just so I can listen and give feedback as a professional industry person. Uh, as a sound expert or as a, like as a mentor. Like we have the, this category, which is mentor, and, um, and a lot of artists are, are going through those to mentors when they really want advice about their the careers of that project. Or their track, just a sound. So, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely um, set that up. So, and on the other side, so just staying on labels as well. On the other side, you're saying as well that you know indie labels are using it to promote. So, what strategy would you say a, in, a smaller indie label is looking to use your platform in contrast to say an individual artist? What strategy would would be good for them to use? Um, I think that the goal can can be the same. What Record labels usually do is they, when we talk with them, like some bigger ones, even indie record labels that are a bit bigger, uh, what they're looking at, especially on Groover, are two things. Uh, the first one is Spotify playlist curators, because they are not a lot of, because usually they resort, you know, to PR agents or agencies or, or they do PR in-house. So like local PR is usually already done or mastered. Um, but like Spotify playlist curators, Almost nobody in record labels has a clue <laughs> about independent planes because what they do is they pitch for editorial with distributors, you know, but most of them, they really don't know anything. They know about it, but they don't have an activity of trying to reach out to Spotify, independent Spotify place creators. So they're really interested in Groover for that. And the second thing usually is that since their local PR in-house is, is, um, is managed, when they have an act, that they feel they can try to export a bit or get a bit more audience elsewhere. They're really interested in using Groover to try new markets. So when they have, for example, you have a, a record label in the UK 
and they want to see to get in touch with some people in the US, in France, in Germany, uh, in Australia, or in Canada, they can use Guru for that for uh, a budget that is much lower than if they had like from the the start to to hire a PR agent there, even even though they they don't know at all if the the market is suitable for the for the artist, you know. So what record labels do a lot is that like focus on Spotify place creators or YouTube channels. And on the end, the other thing is trying some new markets on an international level. Yeah, gotcha. That's a good strategy. Um, and uh, what artists or labels um, have you or, or that you currently work with? Can you tell us about um, that you're most proud of? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I can give a few names. <laughs> Uh, so let, let me have a look because I have, I have this, I don't, I don't want to forget some, some really cool one. Uh, so we, we've done some campaigns for some major record labels. I'm not particularly proud of it, but it's, it's cool because you see that like Grover is of interest for them. Um, in the UK, we've done some campaigns with, with the Ninja Tune, like Ninja Tune is, is using it like for. They're a cool label. They're a very cool label though. I think they're cool. <laughs> I was, I was, when I saw, when I saw that, I was like, I didn't believe it at first, but you know. I was like, no, this is really cool. Um, no, we had some um, some really cool indie record label in the US. I, I talked about like Badabing, but also Bright and Tenon Records. Um, we have a, a record label that's very cool in the UK in Manchester. Maybe you know about it. It's Craft of the Neck. They have like some really cool uh, rock. So they, they're using Groover um, for some of their releases to try to, to get more exposure. Um, we have a lot of uh, big record labels in, in France especially some of uh, French uh, electronic music and French touch ones like Rush Music or Kitsune, who's a... Uh, oh, Kitsune. Kitsune, Kitsune no. Oh, yeah. Loads of their records. Tudor Cinema Club and like a parcel, so they, they're using it. Uh, there's a, a French band who's like touring a bit uh, worldwide called La Femme uh, using it. Uh, so we were very happy they were using the platform as well. Um, I know that there's... Uh, maybe you know the record uh, label Dance to the Radio in the UK. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're using it as well, like regularly for for releases. Um, nice. Yeah. So What's a young... just some examples? And and like, could you give a breakdown on what, like, roughly you think across the main genres the the curators are from, like, let, let's say, like indie pop, uh, rock, and hip hop, and say dance music across those four. Like, you know, what's your what do you think? These are, definitely, these are definitely the biggest ones. Uh, so Groover is super eclectic. So if you're doing like some classic piano, if you're doing some jazz, um, you can find some uh, a lot of curators for that. But the biggest ones are the ones you mentioned. I think indie pop is on top. Like we have a lot of like indie pop, indie rock um, uh, outlets uh, that are really good. And people are getting really good brassles uh, from the campaigns and doing Groover on that. Um, hip hop has grown a lot, especially French rap, because it's like a, a huge thing. I don't know if you know about it, but like in France, the top 50 is rap, only yeah. rap. It's, it's crazy. And people are like listening to it all day long. And, uh, and so there's no, like, it's sometimes frustrating, but we much less eclectic, uh, in terms of like music genres right now, since, uh, like five years, four or five years, uh, compared to like the UK or the US, when you look at, at charts, uh, it's crazy. Um. But then, and then we have electronic music, music, which is big. I would say like indie is probably like 40%. Um, electronic music would be 20, 25. Uh, hip hop rap would be also 20, something like this. And then there's a lot of space uh, for uh, like, I don't know, jazz, world, reggae, um, stuff like that. And when, uh, what, what I include in, in hip hop as well would be like soul, R&B, uh, you know, 
which is really big also on the platform. But what, what I'm really proud of is that we don't have like a, a color of a particular genre on Groove. Like everybody knows that they can go on Groove, they can find really cool creators for them, for their music, expert ones in their music. Um, it's really cool to see like the variety of what we're getting. It's, it's crazy. We're really getting like some classical music and then some super experimental electronic uh, techno uh, and also some uh, like classic rock and, and then like a super cool uh, indie rock and unexpected um, pop, uh, R&B uh, in French, in Italian. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, it's crazy. Mm. Oh, that's great. Now, a lot of people um, will say that they think blogging is dead um, and they don't think it's relevant these days, that you should be concentrating on, say, you know, growing your TikTok followers, um, you know, pe bringing people into your email list or Spotify, you know, building on your Spotify playlists. What would you say to, to, to artists or, or labels that are thinking that blogs are dead and what, what are the benefits today of being published on, on blogs and music publications? I think it has changed a lot. I think one true thing is that they have uh, much less audience than they had before. Um, so in terms of like just reaching audience and visibility, blogs are much less relevant than, than they were before. Um, but on, on the other hand, um, there are still some kind of like stamp of approval, you know? Uh, when you're getting on a cool blog, when you're getting on a cool publication, uh, a publication which has like a name or brand that is, uh, that is interesting, that says something, I think you're getting more from communicating about the fact that your music has been reviewed by those media outlets sometimes that you get from getting in a particular playlist. Um, for example, in, in France, we have a magazine called Les Arocs, which is a big one in the indie rock, indie pop music. When you get featured on Les Arocs, you can get some gigs just because of that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so you're not, it actually probably, you're not even going to see even a small bump of streams because of that. Yeah. But at the same time, it will act as um, uh, uh, something that is in the arguments for you to be uh, booked on a gig or featured on the festival. It also goes into the pitches when you pitch to editorial teams at, uh, at uh, Spotify, for instance, or Deezer, you say, I'm featured in Les Arocs, or I'm featured in Pitchfork, you know, uh, <laughs> or, or in Enemy or... Like it's an argument saying, okay, you're an act that has been reviewed and has been scouted by these people. Uh, it kind of goes with like your legitimacy. So I think like blogs and in, in, in a very similar way, some local radios, which don't have like a big audience, but they have like a cachet or something. Um, you can see that um, it, it acts as something that brings you more legitimacy. And I think artists that are using Groover, they are looking for two things. They are looking for visibility and audience, but they're also looking for legitimacy. And when you have just a lot of audience and you don't have at all a legitimacy or like approval from um, curators or ex experts or, music or tastemakers, uh, it, it, it's still very complicated to get gigs or gigs opportunities for instance. So you can have like a 200,000 monthly listeners if you don't have like a single, um, uh, I don't know, blog or at least a radio, somebody talking about you and, uh, and saying this is a good act. You're probably going to struggle a lot to even get like a gig to your hometown, like you know, uh, value. You know, yeah. it's. I mean, it, I, to, to add my point to point to it, I, I mean, I still think they're very relevant, and you know, uh, like you said, if you've got press pieces for, in your bio, 
it's someone else vouching for you. Like you're saying, they're making you more like legitimate as, as an artist. And, you know, when people are like, what do I write in my press release? You know, well, if you've, or what do I write in my bio? Well, as soon as you've got three or four press releases, you just have those and you just be like, you know, um, described as, uh, you know, a cross between, you know, hip hop and, and uh, funk and soul by the, you know, by enemy magazine or by any, but the thing is by any magazine. And I think the other, the other thing it does as well is, yeah, creating content for social media is important, but what better pieces when you can upload something to say, hey, I just got reviewed. They just said this about me about my latest single. You know, you can either say that in a TikTok video or put that up as a, as a Facebook reel. Yeah. Again, people are like, oh wow, like you know, things are things are kind of happening, and and I don't think it needs. You know, obviously, if you get an enemy, that's great, but I don't think it has to even be there. It's just some stuff, and and I, and I'd say to, to as an extension on your gigs as well, if you want to get a visa for traveling to the states, you have to prove that you are somebody, and the way they look at it is. What press? What press contacts? Uh, sorry, what press release have you had? And they just—you have to show that you've been reviewed on. I think it's more than thirty different uh, publication outlets. So if you're not there, you're—you know—you're going to struggle to get those—you know—to get those, you know, to get those uh, visas as well. So uh, I always I like to say example. what someone else is yeah. going to say, but I'm—I'm I'm on your side with it as well. And 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 then this—it—it's it, all about like social proof. It's all about. Um, you're showing that somebody else uh, that, that who's listening to a lot of music uh, cares for your music. So it's, it shows something in, in, indirectly and, and it creates something that makes people want to listen to the music as well. So it's an indirect way to gain some audience. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say, like the example of the visa is amazing. I have like the most perfect example for that. Uh, when you're a distributor and you have access to... Uh, the uh, special Facebook um, uh, uh, dashboard where you can uh, check uh, the, uh, the the tracks and the rights around around the track and everything. You can also request uh, to have your account certified, you know, on Facebook or Instagram. What they require is press articles. Uh, they ask only for press articles, uh, blog posts, and I've tried it with some French rappers who had like some really big feature line on Twitter or. Instagram and I never got their account like approved. I, I did it like just for a rock psychedelic rock band who got like everything from rock and folk, Rolling Stone and everything. And not a lot of followers, like two thousand followers. He got approved like instantly. Mm. So there it's, we go. You heard it. Still gotta get on those blogs. If you want to get like the certified check, you need to get some blog posts and it's like it's and it's totally true because like sometimes we're frustrated. We have like a super super cool act and it's not like like the media favorite, but but he, he he or she has a lot of audience, and we can't get them certified. <laughs> so it shows how like uh, Facebook and Instagram and even this platform value how um, getting into those uh, articles gives you legitimacy. It gives you legitimacy, actual legitimacy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, do you find that regular Groover users? end up connecting with blogs and publications outside Groover and end up dealing with them directly? Um, do you encourage this or is it frowned upon? How do you kind of, how do you approach that part? We don't block this at all. Um, actually what we do when someone gets accepted by a blog is we give them access to their email address and suggest them to follow up. And we also do some automa automated follow-ups. Um, actually what happens is that 
uh, blogs, radios, uh, magazines, they, are, they receive so many emails uh, that they will never, re- even if they love your track, they're not going to review your track if you send it by email the next time, most of the time. Um, so just know, like, I've got a system set up, use the system, use GrooveUp, this is what it's there uh, for. It, it's exactly that. And we're not encouraging that. We've never sent an email encouraging creators to do that. It's just the way it goes that it's so much simpler for them uh, that they, they they encourage that. And even not if they want to en- encourage that, they don't answer the email. <laughs> so, but you can try. I, I, I mean, like if you have a very uh, special relationship you build with a creator and then they answer your emails or you meet them in real life, it's so cool for you. Like we're so happy. Like, like there, there's no problem, but we see that there's a lot of retention and artists get in touch again and again with the same creators with new releases. So we see that there's no problem there. Like we don't have like people leaving the platform after they initiate the content. Mm. It's really cool to see. Gotcha. Okay, I'm going to dive into a few like very artist specific questions. Get your feedback because I you know I know you're an artist yourself and and you work very okay. deeply in the music industry. Like, what do you think uh, is one thing that holds back artists growing their career? The number one thing. Um, the number one thing is 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 the fact that there's so much music. So everybody needs. I think all the artists needs to un- need to understand that there are one hundred thousand new tracks released every day on Spotify. So nobody's waiting for them. Like nobody's is actually waiting to listen to their tracks. So if they're passive or their music, mm. nothing's gonna happen. Uh, people who get discovered and doing nothing and just releasing the music it doesn't happen it, it cannot happen anymore like i i can't imagine of like one single artist for whom it happened when you see like an overnight success on 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 tiktok you're like oh, they got like they got a viral success on tiktok but maybe they had been posting on the platform for two years mm-hmm. uh every single day or or like three times a week you know uh, before it happened um and, and I think it's the, the, the biggest thing, I think, preventing artists from going to the next step, it's probably lacking of consistency and resilience. But I, I, I don't want to say that it's something that um, it's their fault because it's super complicated. Because sometimes you, you, you're releasing music, you're producing, you're spending a lot of energy, you're trying everything and, 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 and not a lot of things happen. So it's super hard, like super hard to get, like to keep the hope and the thing that it's going to happen. But I think that people who make it are people who are uh, persistent, resilient, uh, and they keep on progressing and advancing. And they also know that nobody, nothing is going to end up in their hands if they don't do it by themselves or if they don't um, uh, bring the the right people around them to help them, Uh, which is also super important uh, if they want to grow and everything. You can do it in different ways. You can do everything by yourself. You can um, get the right people around you, but, but... what, what artists in general is like, I think I feel what's preventing them from, from growing is if they feel that they are not like entrepreneurs of their project, like they need to understand that if they want to make it, the music is going to be a product that they're going to try to sell. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's a very particular product to sell because you're not going on the market and selling it. And they are not like even CDs or anything like you're not selling CDs. <laughs> Like people are not selling CDs anymore. So it's not, you're not selling a product in like a physical way of somebody buying. You're more about how do I reach people to, to listen to it? So it's not selling. It's more about how do I grow my audience and have more people listen to it and focusing your attention on that and knowing that you need to start the fire. 
you need to start the fire and and you need to 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 keep on entertaining the fire and not only with your art but also with your your, your strategy your ideas and and the last thing i would say is that it can be really thrilling and a game to try to to make to make your music something that uh, that is appealing to 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 people um on on other areas than you show music like developing a universe um having a message uh building some fun content that you you feel authentic with around your music it's it's there are so many ways of of uh of trying to find your way through that uh, we have artists who you know they they do like some um, some tutorials on TikTok about how they how they build their track or or or, or how to uh, I don't like write an indie rock song in like uh, twenty seconds you know things like that like you can find your way like you can find whatever you can also post like you're not forced to post pictures of yourself you can post like all the things that you're interested in uh, but try to merge this these things that you you want to say as an artist and uh, and 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 know that you need to to communicate about it and find your 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 tone of communication to try to um to 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 be appealing uh for people uh so, so that people actually listen want to listen to your music and and break that wall still of first listening like how can you make people want to listen to your music because mm. uh, because you're right cause music is interesting as a as like it's it's not a product or service per se where you know everything else around marketing and promotion is like what are the benefits of your product or service right that's how people sell stuff right and, yeah. you, and you and i like not selling music what are the benefits of group right it's a lot easier to focus on that and then and then yeah. people whereas like what well, you know it's harder to, to have that benefit with music um whereas I, I guess i i guess i would say though you know it's about connecting with people like finding a way that your music can connect with people helping people connect with your music so they do feel inspired and they feel like they've connected with somebody which always makes you feel good you know we're tribal people at at, at our hearts and i guess yeah that's that's what you need to do as an artist or if you're a label connection is key connection is yeah. super key and uh and if you want to like meeting new people uh, on the creative side but also people who can help you uh, develop what you want to say and what you want to do uh it's it's major uh it's what's going to make the difference yeah, definitely. I and as an extension to that, do you think there's um, you know, what a and maybe in particular to your platform as well, what are some sort of rookie mistakes or common problems you see over and over again with people, you know, early career artists using the platform? Yeah. So uh, and and also giving some tips at the same time is, um, for example, it, one thing is to not get in touch with Spotify players creators before your release day. Um, you shouldn't do it because Spotify plays creators, they need the Spotify link to the track to, to, to share it. And they usually do it instantly or very quick. And if you don't have the Spotify link available yet, <laughs> they're usually going to disregard the submission, even if they, if they like it. It can happen, at least. I know that it happens sometimes. They just say, the Spotify link is not available, I cannot share. So tip one, start, start your playlist promotion campaign on release day. Exactly. Or after. After is still okay. And that's also a rookie mistake just, uh, on the platform is people feeling that everything happens in the first days. It's not true. Like you can really promote a track for a long time. And actually the first month entirely is super important. But even the months afterwards, you can see peaks and you can grow after that. So it's to think that promotion 
ends like one day or a few days or even one week after the, the track was released. It's not true. You can get the best things around your release uh, weeks after or months even after, after it was released. Um, another thing I would say is not filling in your profile. Um, so not adding a picture, not adding social media accounts, uh, not adding a bio, because if, if you contact someone and they like their music, they are going to want to dig into that, to dig into who you are and check your socials. Um, so it's super important to do that. Um, and also another rookie mistake would be you, if you get in touch with music industry professionals, like record labels is not writing a pitch or not explaining why you're getting in touch with them. For instance, if you're sending a track that is finished to a record label because you, you want them to listen to your last single, but you also have like four or five demos ready, write it in your pitch. Like that's the way to, to put the label in the right context of saying, okay, this artist has released a track. They have four or five more tracks. They know what they're going to focus on and also see if it can be interesting for them. So like adapt the approach. Uh, there is super important as well. And also like a mistake would be to get in touch with too few curators. If you get in touch with five people, you have one maybe not answering. After seven days, you have two who will say, oh, this is actually not the kind of music I want to add to my playlist, okay? You have maybe one curator giving you a good feedback, piece of feedback, but negative, and one accepting. And you're like, I spent 10 euros for one thing. And you're like, this is not worth it. And it makes sense. Uh, while if you get, get in touch with like 30 curators and you start getting 27 like pieces of feedback and also you get credits back to, to have three more. And out of those, you have, I don't know, five or six features or even 10 features and reviews or um, playlist, uh, playlist ads. And the other ones can have some meaningful feedback. Now you see the value of And we can see it in all the satisfaction surveys we did is the more curators you get, uh, artists get in touch with, the more satisfied they are about Groover. Uh, it, it's crazy. Like people who get in touch with more than 50 creators, we have a 96% satisfaction rate. So people rating nine or 10 out of 10 of their experience for people getting in touch with more than 50 creators. So people spending more than hundred euros. So you could, you could fit, uh, you could have the, the impression that it would be different because you're spending more. So you more, you want more, you know, and you would be like more dissatisfied if you don't get something, but it's really key. It's, this thing of like the value of Google lies in the fact of getting a lot of answers and a lot of possibilities and opening uh, opportunities and possibilities. So if you're like, I'm just going to spend like 10 euros to test, I would even say like, don't do it. Like <laughs> wait until you're ready to spend, I don't know, like 30, 40 or 50 euros. Yeah, 100 is good, but even like 50 euros, like 20 contacts, 30 contacts can be a good start because you're actually going to get part of the value. And also it depends on the the music genres you're doing. So if you're in a really small niche, uh, you should, like, of course you will have like fewer contacts, you know, to get in touch with than, than in some other genres. So it really depends. But, but I would say like 20 is like the bare minimum to hope to get something that makes sense. Okay. And so I, I've, I've given some advice. I want you to go onto Groover. I want you to spend 50 euro. Can you <laughs> as well, like just what, what sort of time how much time would you say for someone that comes on, write their bio, submit everything roughly so someone can kind of like time budget for this part of like a release campaign? It depends on your budget because if you go to Groover and you add your track and then you do a, you use filters. So you have, we have very detailed filters. So you can select by music genres. You can also select by a type of creators, countries and stuff like that. 
Uh, what they submit to, let's say you submit to 30, you're going to go, you've, you've figured out, you're going to go to 30. What, what are you looking at? So either you are, um, you have filled in your, your style on your profile. You have a very specific style and you know that it's into that. Um, and you do the selection and we usually put some, uh, the, the best recommendations at the top all, mm -hmm. all the time. So if you have filled in your profile with the right jars and you, and that's one of the big mistakes not to do is to not put too many jars on your profile. If you put too many, uh, the platform doesn't know what to recommend you. So it's maximum three. Uh, and I would say like, if you have one or two is even better. Um, and then in the list, uh, if you do your selection with filters and then you can kind of try it out with like taking the first 30, you know, like having quick look, um, this would be very quick. Like it can take like a few minutes, you know? Did, would uh, would you advise that you write an individual message to each one or should you have like a boilerplate of like Jimmy a little bit about you and then the first line is is curated for them like and, and is that does that help with response rates when people are more curating each individual message um i would say it's important if you're getting in touch with music industry professionals like if you're getting in touch with a record label or if you're getting with a manager to explain to them why you're contacting them it's important for media artists and spotify playlist i must admit that it's not that important uh, the most important is to have a very clear general pitch for your campaign uh explaining the context of your release then adapting it to say hello someone and then exactly the same it, it can have some there's more of the music isn't it? it they just do they like the music yeah. or not if they like the music they'll put it in their playlist if they don't like it yeah what's the yeah. release the first day, they will do it the yeah but you can do it uh and uh and if you have some time and if you want to maximize your opportunity and you have time uh before you do it uh for sure um we, we have the option to do it um and then I would say you can spend much more time on a Google campaign if you want to have a highly curated selection, go through all the profiles and see the exactly the 30 curators that are for your music. You can really spend an hour on selecting the, the list. It's what we see sometimes artists do. And can, um, you, can you favorite your same one? So yeah. if, this, as a, if I'm a label, I'm going to do this over and over again. I'm probably going to be reaching, and I do a, I do a genre-based label, I'm going to be reaching out to the same places. So... Can you create like a favorites list in there? Exactly, exactly. So you have like a bookmark on every card and you can save them into a favorites list and you can also create like different lists of uh, of creators there. So even in your selection, if you don't want to add them this time, but you're like, oh, I want to send it to them when I have a music video, for instance, you can like uh, favoring them and add them in a, in a playlist that you call like music video. I don't know. Uh, you can you can create fa favorite lists uh, gotcha. within your campaign. And, and we mentioned earlier as well, top tip to not start reaching out to uh, Spotify playlists until after the release date. But what about for getting in some blogs and publications? Where, what time frame would you recommend people should start reaching out? I would recommend not too much in advance because what can happen on Google is that if you contact someone two months in advance, if you don't know, maybe two months later, they won't be acting on the platform anymore. They might forget and might be troubling. So I would say that you, that you can get in touch with uh, blogs one or two uh, weeks before. Uh, I would really advise if you get in touch with some blogs to uh, do it if you have a music video or if you have an album supporting it. Because usually music blogs, they don't feature just sounds. Uh, they... It depends on the style, on the music, but in indie music, for instance, um, it's really uh, more about like they will, most of them, they will need a music video or they will need 
Interesting. Uh, uh, like a, an album supporting the release. Um, if you have that, you can get in touch. And same for radio stations. You can get in touch with them two weeks before, one week before. But you can also send on release date. To be, to be honest, um, so we have some artists we support a bit more. Like we, we build an uh, artist accelerator with some artists that we detected on Guru and, and we try to, to push. Uh, we always send the campaigns on release day. So maybe it's like a lack of time. If we had like only one project to defend, maybe we would try to reach out a bit in advance uh, with some of them. Uh, but you can also have uh, um, try to reach out to some media outlets, radio stations by emails before, you know, like traditionally uh, and using Ruben Real Day. But you can also do a campaign like one or two weeks before for media outlets and radios. And then on release day, you get in touch with on the Spotify playlist, for instance. Interesting it work. So that sweet spot is, is a couple of weeks beforehand. That's interesting. I mean, I've always been, you know, for print magazines at least six weeks. Um, yeah, but we don't have a lot of print magazines on Groover. That's why I know, I know that for print magazines, it's different. Um, and if you're really in the traditional cycle with a, like a physical album, trying to get into like the, the, uh, the, the, the physical magazine, it, it's a totally different thing, but we don't have a lot of those in the, on Guru. So we have some in France, but it's, the, it's like the the the, the reading press. It's it, for 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 novelties and discoveries. It's it's it just disappeared a lot, unfortunately. And uh, and the ones that remain, they they are super saturated. They cannot talk about a lot of releases, so it's super difficult to get into them. Yeah, and just going back to music video, because I think yeah, if you've got a single with a music video, it's something to talk about. Um, would you say that they're still happy if you have a lyric music video? Just because I know they're a little bit cheaper to produce, um, yeah. and that's and that's still something that people are interested in. Yeah, it's a good idea. Oh, even a visualizer uh, can be great. I think it's always great to try to have one like a visualizer or a lyrics video because it's a bit more engaging. Uh, it can also help you do like a Spotify Canva, you know, for Spotify. Uh, you yeah. know the so yeah. I, I, like if you have one, like try 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 them out. And also on the profiles, you can see the ones who really want a music video a clip. Uh, they say it on the profile so you can also if you're really into the details you can really uh, select like this mm. i don't want to be dogmatic because like i know that some uh media outlets they they also cover like if you send a soundcloud link and they will like it they will write an article but i know that a lot of them they are more into like i need a bit more information i need a bit more substance like you know i, I need a around the project mm. no that's good to know i mean we always encourage people with uh we encourage people to use rota that's quite a good one for yeah doing videos and and yeah if you've got lyrics yeah spend some time doing a lyric video i think it goes a lot further um so uh what are we okay so i'm just going to quickly wrap it up with a couple of things you've recently done a deal with cd baby what does that mean for groovy users uh so groovy users they get uh two free submissions uh releases on the on cd baby uh one standard and one pro um which is cool because with CD Baby, as you probably know, uh, you pay only once. Like you don't pay a su subscription. So you actually you can release like a new track and you release for free <laughs> with one of those codes. Uh, so it's a good way to try CD Baby. Uh, and you also have another code that you can use as many times as you want for 40% uh, uh, discount on all subsequent releases. So it's really like a cool offer for uh, artists who are using Google and, and want to find like a new aggregator or, or, or they want to try a new one. Uh, and on the other end, um, uh, people who use CD Baby, they get a cool discount for Groover, a uh, 15% discount code, um, which is cool, which is cool. 
Uh, and we talking a lot with them about finding some other integrations. Uh, we also trying to, uh, we, we also build a playlist that we're trying to root for a bit with some artists who have used both platforms. Uh, so we we'll see how it goes, but we really have a share, a, a very common DNA, uh, with City Baby, uh, and it's super cool to work with them. And we, we keep on exploring, uh, how we can integrate a bit more, uh, the platforms, which could be great, uh, for people on City Baby when they release to like launch a Google campaign from scratch, it could be the dream. Um, and at the same time, we're not exclusive with Cine Baby at all. Like we work with TuneCore as well, super great team and super product and that the new offers are amazing, the, the subscription offers. Um, so we have partnerships with a lot of the distributors and aggregators, also some local ones. Um, and, uh, no, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense because it's like you distribute your track. The next thing you're thinking about is promoting it. So it's like partnering up with some distributors makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. That's, that's Thank you. That's yeah, it helped cool. us grow a lot in the US, uh, which is super cool. Uh, what was it? Sorry. It helped us grow a lot in the US okay. and, and in the UK as well, because the Cine Baby is quite like there are a lot of people are using it in the UK as well. So, mm, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, we're coming to the end. Thanks for your time. Can you let us know where to personally follow you online and where to follow Groover online? What are your handles? Of course. Of course, um, on Instagram, it's groover.en. Uh, if you want to uh, follow the English account, when we post a lot of like interesting content and advice for musicians, my own Instagram account, and I want some new followers to call that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not like a big Instagram user, I'm a user on a personal uh, uh, point of view, but, but still it's growing and people are asking me questions. I always answer them. So you can follow, follow me. It's Dorian Flagrant. Uh, it's not my last name, but it's a, uh, the, it was my my previous uh, handle for like an integration. I kept it like it's Dorian Flagrant, uh, F L A G R A N T. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and, and follow me and like me if you want to. Uh, and you can also Instagram is great if you want to uh, get in touch. You can also go to the Groover blog where we give a lot of advice on a lot of different things. Uh, it's a great place to go if you're looking for advice, concrete advice on how to develop your projects and and boost your career. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. And then groovo.co, of course, and, uh, and you can sign up. And, and we have a chat on the website if you have any issues and we're super reactive on it. Um, artists tell us that they love our support <laughs> or team because the people who are doing it are really cool. <laughs> I'm still doing it on the weekend. So if you want a, an answer from me, you can write to me on the weekend. On I, think I, the I think that's how we met. I think I sent a message on the weekend and you responded. Probably, yes. <laughs> but then the rest of the week, it's Emma and William. William is in New York City and Emma in Paris. And they, they're so good at it uh, and, and super willing to help artists all the time. So sometimes we even answer to random questions we have, which has nothing to do with Groover. Uh, but when we have the answer, we always answer. Like we, we try, we, we really are here to help artists. It's, it's our goal, like number one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for your time. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll be shouting about Groover over at the Label Machine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. It was a pleasure.